I'm speaking on grow like you've never grown before. And I seem to always get the grow ones. And I think the irony just rings out true, doesn't it, really? I've put some really large heels on this morning to try and fit in with being tall. But I don't think it quite cut it, did it? And I just want to dedicate this morning to everyone who's short. So if you're short this morning, power to the short people. And I just thought, you know, if you're not short, I'd just like to invite you into short people's worlds. And I'm sure tall people have their own issues and middle-sized people and everything else, but, you know, I don't really care because I'm short. (laughs) So I just thought I'd like to welcome you into my world of being short. These are the problems that short people face. Are you ready for them? Number one, the sun visor in the car. What is the point of it? Nothing. Because it does not come down far enough to block the sun if you're short. Somebody needs to design them so that like, they can come a bit longer. Oh, Picasso, we need to swap my car. Sit on a cushion. Then my feet won't reach the pedals. I am short. The other problem, pedals in the car. When your husband drives the car and you get in and forget to move the seat and you're driving like this, it's not good. Also, the petite range. Turnips are in every season for me. The petite range is not petite in my world. Anyone else have this problem? Everyone else is like, what are you on about? But the short people come on this morning. We have to walk twice as far as everybody else with long legs. So when we prayer walk tonight, if you're with a short person, actually, let's all the short people go together and then we can just walk at a normal speed instead of trying to keep up with everyone who's really fast. You'd think it would then help with your weight gain, wouldn't you? But it just doesn't seem to. The other thing, and please, you can help with this, tall people. The top shelf in the supermarket... The bottom shelf, I have found, is quite secure to stand on. (laughs) Though if the the things on the top shelf are pushed back, this then makes it problematic. I do find lifting a small child that I've taken with me and telling them to grab the thing on the shelf does work. Apart from now, one of the said small children is as tall as me. (laughs) Next one, what else forgot? Awkward hugs. I do apologise for everybody who leads a meeting when I preach or everyone who comes and preaches when I lead because it is an awkward hug because my head is heading for your armpit or if you're a lady somewhere else that is inappropriate. People don't seem to understand when they want to give me a hug. I don't want to put my head in your armpit, although it's really nice when you're tall to hug me. Do it at the side. I'm short. I don't want to be engulfed in your body. (laughs) Am I right, short people? Yeah. Doesn't mean stop hugging, just hug in a special way for short people. We should have training for people so that they can look after short people, shouldn't we? This is the worst one. I'm going to come down. And I can because you're sitting. And we know we will be in trouble when we get home. This is the worst one. (laughs) This happens to me while I stand. 
The human armrest for tall people. No, do not do it. Do not ask us if we're still in primary school. And the last one, and this one, really, really annoys me, especially when we invite people up to do stories, which is wonderful, but we use bar stools. It is immensely difficult to get on a bar stool, so I wear my heels. I've learned to wear a wedge because otherwise the heel gets caught on the bar stool and you actually fall off. This is without going to a bar and consuming lots of alcohol. So these are the problems short people face. But on a benefit... We get a lot of leg room, whether there's a lot of leg room or not. So when people say, would you like more leg room? I don't need any. Give me the shortest amount, and that's just plenty for me. People sit in the front and push the chair all the way back. Are you okay? I'm fine. I've got no legs. They don't even touch the floor, so don't worry. So leg room, win it all the way around. You don't have to pay for any more. It's just there. The other thing, kids, clothes and shoes. That's if you can get your backside in them, but kids' clothes and shoes because your legs are short. Win-win. So there are positive things. So don't feel bad for us short people. Just think about how you hug us and using us as an armrest. And then that would be wonderful. And I'm sure lots of tall people want to come and talk to me after now and tell me all your issues. Come and talk to Paul because he will understand. Because he is taller than me. <laughs> no, you're not tall, darling. We would have had a problem if you were. But you're taller than me, which doesn't take a great deal, so this is fine. Anyway, shall I say something that's a bit more spiritual? I just thought I'd have a little rant at the beginning. I feel better now. But you know, in the Bible, there are issues with height. There are issues with stinted growth. And we see that in Numbers 13. Let's have a look at this. It says, there we saw the giants. This is about the Israelites going into the promised land. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. You know, you don't have to be short in stature to think that you're small and insignificant. And the Israelites faced this. They faced the fact that they thought they were small and insignificant. They didn't think that they had any way that they could grow any bigger. And yet, when we see the next generation of Israelites coming through, after they've been back through the wilderness, and they come through with Joshua and Caleb, they had completely changed their mindset. They no longer considered themselves as grasshoppers in their own sight, and therefore other people saw them that way. But they actually saw themselves as being able to go and take on these giants. And their faith had grown. They were no longer limited by what they saw. They had broken that limitation that the previous generation had held. And they went and they took the promised land. Sometimes it's not perceptual. It's not, sometimes it's perceptual, not actual. Sometimes it's not the actual height that you are or the actual thing that you face. It's how you perceive yourself. And God wants to change your perception this morning. God wants to grow your faith so that you grow spiritually. And it doesn't matter whether you're short, tall, fat or thin. Makes no odds. God wants you to grow in faith this morning. Let's look at David because he cracked this one. 1 Samuel 17 verses 45 to 47. And this is when David 
took on Goliath. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with the sword and the spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. David knew that he was bigger than Goliath because he knew the one who stood with him, his God was huge. He was so tall you couldn't get over him, so low you couldn't get under him, so wide you couldn't get around him. Some of you are recognizing this song from Sunday school, aren't you? God is immense. He is bigger than any fear you could face, than anything that will come against you. And this morning, God wants your faith to grow so that you know that he stands with you. And no matter what comes against you, he enables you to be bigger than that thing. So how then? If this is the case, we saw with the Israelites, they had to have a change of how they saw themselves. We saw with David, Paul did a message on David a few weeks back, a whole series, and he talked about David growing in faith and in the daily. You can listen to it on SoundCloud if you missed it. How do we then grow in faith like the Israelites and like David? I want to go back to somebody else who was short in the Bible so we can find out how we can grow like we've never grown before. Let's look at Luke 19, 1 to 10. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. That's another short people problem as well. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to the house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Zacchaeus had a problem. And it wasn't just that he was short. Zacchaeus' problem was that he cheated and he was a thief. And he used his position to take advantage of people. But when we meet Zacchaeus in Luke's account, we begin a journey with him that we can begin today, where we find out how he went on a journey to grow like he'd never grown before. And that's what I want us to grab hold of this morning, that you can go on a journey, no matter where you're at in your faith, whether you're thinking, I don't have any faith, 
Or, oh, well, I've, I've only just made a decision. Or, oh, well, I've been a Christian for 30 years. No matter where you are at, you can still grow bigger than you are in your faith. You can still grow like never before. And I believe Zacchaeus and what goes on between him and Jesus and his story gives us steps that we can also take so that we can grow like we've never grown before. Is that okay? Okay. So the first thing that we can get from Zacchaeus is this, connect. Sometimes you have to do something to connect with the source of growth or change for your life. Because growth and change pretty much are the same thing. Because when you grow, you change. Sometimes you can change and not grow. You can change for the worse. But when you grow, then you change. And we're looking at changing for the better, changing and becoming a bigger person, changing it, becoming kinder, changing it, becoming more loving, changing it, becoming more generous, changing and becoming more able to share our faith. But you've got to do something to connect yourself to the source of that growth. And ultimately, that's God. It can be people, there can be people around us we can connect to, who can help us to grow. Maybe in your small group this week you can share and there are people there who encourage you and spur you on. Maybe within your team where you serve they can encourage you. We saw Jack this morning come on the stage for the first time. That was a growth experience for him today. And it was amazing for us all to cheer him on. Maybe it's when you read your Bible or when you pray. There are many ways that we can connect to something that will help us to grow or someone who will help us to grow. But ultimately, ultimately, like Zacchaeus, it's connecting with Jesus. And you may say, well, I am connected with Jesus. The thing about God is he always wants more of you. He wants more connection with you. He wants more of your love. He wants more of your time. He wants to be involved in more of what goes on in your life. So you can always connect even more than you are right now. Or if you're not connected at all, then you can start that journey and connect with him. And you know, don't let your growth or your lack of it be a hindrance to seeing Jesus. Sometimes Zacchaeus could have just gone, oh, I'm too short, I can't see, and gone home. But he didn't let it hinder him. He ran ahead and found a sycamore tree. Sometimes we can think, well, I'm all right, actually. I don't need to go to that mission. I don't need to grow anymore. I've been a Christian 40 years. Wherever you're at between those two poles apart, there is always opportunity to grow some more. You know, and there are different ways that you can grow. It's not just about the genetics for some of us. But I can still grow physically. I can wear my heels. When I need to get things out of the cupboard at home, we've got a little step. We did buy it originally for the children so they could wash their hands. But now I use it in the kitchen because I can't reach the top shelf. You know, we can stand on a ladder. Because ultimately, there are things none of us can reach. We can go up, they go up scaffolding and paint great big buildings. There are many ways that we can grow, in the, not in the way that we think we should. Because I can grow bigger by using other things. Sometimes we need to bring other things into our lives to help us to grow bigger than we are. Sometimes we've got to look outside of what we've always done or what we've always thought we should do so that we can grow bigger. And you know, all it is about is taking that first step. Sometimes we can think, oh, it's just too far away for me. I just can't. I'll never get there. Take the first step. It doesn't need to be a huge step. 
It can just be a small step of faith. But that small step of faith will cause growth to begin in you. And once it begins, it will flourish if you keep stepping. When God grows in our lives, everything else becomes smaller anyway. So the moment you step closer to connect with God, those things that you think are too big and hinder you suddenly become smaller because you're further away from them. And we read that Zacchaeus actually climbed a sycamore fig tree. And sycamore fig trees were significant in Bible times. Let me, I'll have to read it to you. It said that it was an important tree and they actually had people whose job it was to look after these trees. So Amos, the prophet who you read about in the Old Testament, during David's rule, there were people whose job it was to look after these trees. They were pretty important trees. If people were looking after them, they obviously wanted to keep them safe, keep them from harm. So the idea of somebody actually scrolling up the thing, you can imagine the person whose tree it was, oh! But Zacchaeus had something bigger that he knew was important. Something that was more significant than the significance of a fig tree. And what I'm trying to say to you is that sometimes we can think, well, I shouldn't step there. I shouldn't go to that place. I shouldn't shouldn't believe that for myself because I'm not important enough to go there. Zacchaeus could have said, well, I shouldn't climb that tree because it's a fig tree and they're important. People look after them. And we can hinder ourselves because we're too afraid to step somewhere that we think is more important than we should go. Somewhere new. Somewhere where you think naturally, oh, that's not for me. But God is calling you. There is a call. And Jesus says, come. Come to those places where you think, oh, I shouldn't go there. Come to those places where you think are too important for you. Jesus is calling you out and calling you up. He's calling you to enter into those places. And when you do, he will come with you. He will enter into those relationships with you. He will enter into your workplace with you. He will enter into your family with you. But the question you've got to ask before all of that is will you connect with him and will you invite him in? Because that's what Zacchaeus had to do. He had to go to a place that wasn't really a place that he should have been. And in that place, he found Jesus, connected with him, and then invited him back to his house. Don't be afraid to step out, step somewhere different, because Jesus is calling you to connect with him in a way that you've never done before. And I think the most wonderful thing about this story is is that Jesus noticed Zacchaeus. I suppose it'd be quite difficult not to notice a short man hanging out of a fig tree as you pass by. But he could have just ignored him and thought, oh, crazy man in the tree, let's just keep going. We're all really good at that. They're just, oh, just ignore that person. Oh, that person's upset. I'll pretend I haven't noticed. It's so easy to walk past. But Jesus noticed him. Jesus knew him by name and he called to him. Jesus notices you and he calls to you. He calls to you. And the question is, will you connect with him and will you invite him in? My sister, uh, my older sister, also married a Paul, which is quite confusing in our family. Um, But the Paul that my sister married is like six foot 
like he's a giant. My sister's not a great deal taller than me. So he is like the giant in our family. I'm from a small family. But my sister married Paul and he is extremely, extremely tall. And when I was younger, he, he used to take us to the football and we'd go and watch Stoke City play. And it was when it was still at the Victoria ground and there was the old booth and end which had no seats. So when you stand there and the times that Stoke did score, you can imagine what happened is everybody just went down to the front and the rest of the booth and end was empty of people because they were all now when you're really short this is problematic when this happens and myself and my sister had gone with Paul and his friend who was called Mark and we stood sort of halfway up the booth and end and Stoke scored and Paul just went like this with me and Ruth lock and load his friend Mark went with the crowd he was like down at the front and we stood there behind Paul and he did not move and he held us in and I was like and people were just coming past and we were just like and then after the celebration of the goal people began to turn around and go back and there was only us three standing there And they're sort of looking at me and my sister as if, how did you survive that onslaught? But we survived it because Paul pulled us in and he stood his ground. He was that strong tower that we needed. His friend came back up dazed. How did you manage to stay up here? What I'm trying to say to you is if you connect with someone who's bigger than you, they can be that strong tower for you in those difficult times. They can be the one that you need and the one that you look to. They can hold you when the storm comes. They can hold you through the onslaught. In the Psalms, it talks about God being a strong tower, being a place that we can run to, being a place that we can hold on to. And just like my brother-in-law had been that strong tower for us, God wants to be a strong tower for you in those moments you feel small and insignificant, in those moments that you feel like you don't have the strength to stand. God wants to say, I've got you. And the way he does that is because we connect with him and we invite him in. If you don't connect with him and invite him in, then he's not there with you when the onslaught comes. But as soon as you call, he will come running. Because he loves you with an unquenchable love. So the first thing to do to bring growth to your life is to connect. The second thing I believe that we need to do is to respond Jesus and Zacchaeus both, both responded to one another. And I know when I worked in primary school with children who had um, emotional and behavioural difficulties, we'd often talk to them about the difference between responding and reacting. And I believe that Zacchaeus and Jesus both responded to one another, not reacted. Let me read you this, which is from a HR solution about responding and reacting. It says this, there is a huge difference between reacting and responding. A reaction is typically quick, without much thought, tense and aggressive. A response is thought out, calm and non-threatening. A reaction typically provokes more reactions perpetuating a long line of hatefulness and nothing is accomplished. 
If you want to do something that brings change to other people's lives, you've got to do it in a way where there's calm, where it's been thought out, and where it's non-threatening. God is calling us to respond to situations and circumstances. It doesn't mean we don't do things quickly. It doesn't mean we don't do things out of the passion in our hearts at times, but that we do them in a well-thought-out manner. So that from them flows goodness and grace and mercy. And we see it through Jesus and Zacchaeus' relationship in this account. Jesus came. Zacchaeus climbed the tree. Jesus called to him. And when he called to him, Zacchaeus responded in four ways. Firstly, he responded quickly. Which goes against what I've just said, but I don't know about you, if Jesus said to me, get down out the tree, I'm coming to your house for tea, I'd have been whoop, and I'd have been on past Jesus, going dust the sides before we got in. <laughs> Someone else got a dusty house as well. <laughs> but Zacchaeus responded, he responded quickly. When God calls to you, don't think, oh, I think I'll just wait for another week. Oh, I missed that altar call this week. I'll, I'll do it another week. I'll, I'll sign up to serve another week. I'll, I'll go to church another week. Jesus is there and he is calling you. Don't wait. Don't think I'll do it another time. Oh, I'm not quite ready. Oh, I'm a mess. Zacchaeus was a thief. Zacchaeus was a mess. Zacchaeus had turned his back on his people and stolen from them. And yet he responded quickly because somebody had shown him some grace and love. This morning, God is showing you grace and love and mercy no matter where you're at. Respond quickly. Because when we respond quickly, growth comes. The next thing that we see Zacchaeus did is that he responded with joy and excitement. I don't know about you, but it's so easy to go through church life and think, yeah, it's great, Jesus died on the cross for me and he's forgiven all my sins and I'm not going to hell anymore and I'll get to go to heaven when I die. Yay! And we just get that used to it and that accustomed to it that we just think it's the norm. God sent his son to die on a cross for me and for you that's something to get excited about. But then when we hear that he actually rose again from the dead and that same resurrection power can live in us and change and transform our lives, I'm excited. There's some joy there. And can I encourage you? Let it bubble up and flow over you. It doesn't have to just stay inside. It doesn't have to just be there. Clap my hands, I'm really happy, Jesus saved me. That's wonderful, but get excited. And we all express ourselves in different ways. You don't have to be like somebody who's like a crazed lunatic in the praise and worship. It's fine, be yourself, but let the joy and excitement overflow from you in your way. It's so easy to just go, oh, praise the Lord, how wonderful. Oh, they're having a nice time worship this morning, aren't they? Oh, I wish that person behind us stopped clapping their hands. They keep catching me up. It's so easy to just get caught up in it. Let your joy and excitement overflow. Don't worry what anyone else is doing. Let it overflow into your week because that's what people will look at and go, what have they got? What's happened to them this weekend? I need some of it. Because it's when the joy and excitement overflows that people see something different and people want to know what it is. The fourth thing 
that Zacchaeus did as he responded to Jesus was he confessed his sins and he put a plan of action into place to change. And we don't know from Luke's account what Zacchaeus then did. We don't know if he changed his life, but he put a plan in action. Put a plan in action this morning. Don't just think, oh, that's really good. I need to grow. I need to change. Put a plan in action. What area are you going to change? What thing are you going to work on today? What thing are you going to be praying about this week and asking God to change in your life? Don't just sit there and think, oh, I don't know. Have a think about it. When you go home, write it now in your journal, that thing that's pressing in your mind. Confess the things that you need to move on from. Put a plan of action into place and produce change. And then the final thing in this that I think is just amazing, that we see the response of Jesus to the crowd in verse 7. Have we got it, Jess? It says, but the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. And I love Jesus' response. He says this, I will, no, sorry, it's the wrong one. He says this, salvation has come to this house today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Jesus didn't care about what what all the crowds were saying. Jesus didn't care about whether all those people would Whatever, it didn't matter because Jesus cared about seeing change in Zacchaeus' life. Don't worry about what your friends say. Don't worry about what your colleagues say. Just allow Jesus to come in and bring change to your life. Andy Stanley says this, Confess, forgive, give, celebrate. These are the habits that will change everything. Confess, Forgive, give, celebrate. These are the habits that will change everything. If, we could, if you're sitting there and thinking, I want to grow, I want to change, I want to do summit, I don't know what, that's it. Confess, forgive those you need to forgive, give in generosity of your time, of your finance, whatever it is where your heart's calling, celebrate. If you can do these things, people will see such change in your life. It will be unbelievable. And I think you'll shock yourself. I think the most amazing thing about this account is that Jesus hemmed it in both sides. Jesus started the whole thing off by coming into the city. And Jesus finished it off by what he said about the amazing thing that had happened to Zacchaeus. Jesus wants to hem your life in. He wants to be with you at the beginning and at the end. He wants to be with you on your next step. He wants to be with you through your growth journey. If you will connect to him and respond to him, then he will transform and change your life. And the last thing that I want to share with you this morning is this. And the last point is miracle growth. I don't know whether you use miracle Grow in your garden. My mum and dad are quite obsessed with it. And when my sister got married, she um, had this wonderful wedding planned. And my mum was like, oh, we can have photos in the back garden before you go to the church. And so let's put some miracle Grow on the garden. Oh, my, did they put some miracle Grow on the garden. It was like 
plants everywhere. The flowers were as big as your head. And my sister had some amazing photos in my mum and dad's back garden with all this miracle grow that had gone on. I think they put like miracle grow on top of miracle grow on top of miracle grow. But this is what they'd done. And when I got married, they did the same, but it rained, so we didn't have any outside. But that was okay. But sometimes when we grow, we need repotting and putting somewhere different or somewhere new. And that doesn't mean a new church. That just means a new area within church. A new friendship group, maybe some, a new work. Maybe it is a new church for some people, but I believe in sticking with things too. Sometimes we just need some fresh soil around us. Sometimes we need a different way to grow and to change our perception of how we grow. But sometimes, just sometimes, we need some miracle grow putting on us. And the dictionary definition of miracle is this. Something that has such an effect or event manifesting or considered or considered as the work of God. So it's something that happens that shouldn't really happen. So it's got to be God that's done it. You know, and when Jesus comes into your life, he brings forgiveness. He brings salvation. He brings son and daughtership. He brings the fact that you are no longer lost, but you're found. He brings hope. He brings joy. He brings change. He brings that wow factor to your life because what he pours into you is something that nothing else can bring. He pours into you that miracle grow that causes you to grow from the place that you were, that people will say, how's that happened? How's that person suddenly so secure? How's that person got over their depression? How's that person managed through that really difficult time of illness? How's that person done that? And it's because Jesus has stood with us, because we've connected to him, we've responded to him, and he's poured out his miracle grow into our lives. And we've flourished, regardless of the season. Regardless, regardless of the time, regardless of the weather of our lives, we've flourished. And I said earlier, when we grow, we change. And that's okay. It's okay to change. It's okay to be different. It's okay that things that you used to wear and places that you used to go just suddenly don't fit you anymore. That's okay. That's part of growing. It's okay that we sometimes find that I don't actually fit there anymore. That's because you've grown. That's because you're different. And that's okay. It's then finding a place where you do fit as you grow. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity says this. To become new men means losing what we now call ourselves. I'll read it again. To become new men means losing what we now call ourselves. If we're going to grow, we're going to change. The question you've got to ask yourself is, are you willing to change? Are you willing to lose the us of the now so we can gain the us of the future? As individuals, are you willing to lose the, the you of the now so you can gain the you of the future? As a church, are we willing to lose the us of the now so we can gain the us of the future? As God pours out his miracles upon us and causes growth within us. 
are you willing to change? Am I willing to change? It's the crux of everything in growing like we've never grown before. When you look back at early church history, you can actually find out what what happened to Zacchaeus, which I think is quite amazing. And apparently Zacchaeus became a faithful disciple. After the resurrection of Christ, he became a companion of the apostle Peter. How amazing is that? But it doesn't stop there. It says, Peter then appointed him as bishop of Caesarea in Palestine, where he served faithfully and in peace. The man who had been a thief became a giver. The man who had been a non-practicing Jew became a leader of the Christian faith. The man who had, who had spread hatred and contempt within his community became a community shaper all because of an encounter with Jesus where he was shown love and kindness and where Jesus poured out that miracle grow upon his life and changed and transformed him beyond anybody's recognition, beyond anyone's thought of what could happen. Miracle grow does miracles. And I don't know about you, but I need some miracles in my life to bring growth and change for the better. Edwin Lewis Cole says this, expectancy is the atmosphere for miracles. Expectancy is the atmosphere for miracles. And we can grow by connecting with God. We can grow by responding to God. Let's do those things. But this morning, let's expect again. Let's expect God to come and do a miracle again, to bring healing, to bring restoration, to bring breakthrough in areas where we thought we would never be set free from, in areas where we thought, I will always be small in this area. I will never get any bigger. I will always be small. God says this morning, he's got some miracle grow that he wants to pour on you so that you can grow like you've never grown before. This morning we're going to sing and I want to encourage you expect again because when we expect God comes and brings a miracle believe again and it's so hard when we've believed and things haven't gone the way we thought but God is calling you believe again have faith again let your faith grow and change your perception and see yourself as being able to grow and change God is in the business of using miracle grow in our lives. Let's stand. Father God, we thank you that you are a good God. We thank you for the amazing stories in your word that encourage us and inspire us to keep going, that remind us that our perceptions can be changed, that remind us that things are never bigger than you that remind us that you are good and faithful and that you will stand with us. 
God, I thank you that you are a God who works miracles. And this morning, Father, we invite you to come. Holy Spirit, come and bring miracles across this room in people's lives. Breakthrough in relationships, setting people free from things that have bound them. We pray that you would come and work in our lives.